from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Question. Uh, When you get angry, what kind of questions come out? Probably questions like, what is wrong with you, right? Or, or what did you just do? Or, or who, who do you think you are? Or do you want a knuckle sandwich, right? Questions like that. Those are questions that uh, accentuate and accelerate anger. Today, as we conclude our No Offense series, we're going to learn some questions that actually help to diffuse our anger. So welcome to Verve. You guys excited to be here? Yeah? A little bit? All right. Cool. Hey, my name is Vince. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. If I have not yet met you, I would love to after service today. Grab me, say hi. Uh, Today is going to be great, but I'm also very excited for next week when we are starting a brand new series, and we're going to talk about the Bible. Uh, We're going to talk about things like, um, why should we even believe the Bible? I mean, what if it's just like a book full of myths and legends? And what about the parts of the Bible that are especially weird or potentially offensive? Like, have you heard that the Bible is pro-slavery and anti-tattoos and anti-eating shrimp? What about that? And uh, we're going to learn how to read the Bible in a way that actually changes our lives. But today, we're uh, concluding our series, No Offense. Uh, So let's pray, and then we'll do that. Cool? Let's pray. Um, God, thanks for the chance that we have every week to get together here and encourage each other and be a family. Uh, God, thanks for the chance that we have to, to think about you, to focus on you, to sing songs to you. And God, I pray that as we conclude our series, that you would help us take you up on the invitation we've been talking about these last three weeks to live unoffendable lives, to live our lives above anger in this age of outrage. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Have you ever uh, been eating and dropped some food on yourself? Sure, we, we all have, right? Like you, you drop some food on your clothes. Yeah, sure. Have you ever dropped food on someone else? No, you haven't because that's impossible because we have zones, right? Like when you eat, you have a zone. I have my zone. I'm eating my food. My food stays in my zone. This person has a zone. They stay in their zone. Their food stays in their zone. If there's somebody over here, they have a zone too. Their food stays in their zone, right? That's, that's the way it works. One day, I was sitting. My wife was sitting next to me. She was eating nachos. I'm sitting there when suddenly I felt this plop on my brand new shorts. It was a plop of cheese, of nacho cheese, of my wife's nacho cheese. I know what you're asking. How is that possible? It's actually impossible because there's zones, right? That's a clear violation of zones. You can't drop your food on someone else, but she did. It was a clear violation of zones and of my brand new shorts. So I got a little upset. I was like, what? Why? How? Oh, my shorts, my good dark shorts. And I was like, ugh, and I kind of stomped off to go to the bathroom where I could get some water and try to clear the the cheese off of my shorts. And I was just angry. But I will just say, because you're like, well, man, you're you're the pastor. You shouldn't be like that. It was a long time ago. I'm not like that anymore. Okay, so... 
That, I mean, it, it happened. It was, um, it was last month that that happened. It was last month. And it happened at a table full of ververs. So everyone got to see their, their pastor act like that. And it happened right there. There was a table in this room right there. There was nachos back there. And it happened right there. Uh, it was definitely... Uh, not a moment I'm proud of. I'm embarrassed at how I responded. And it was definitely not righteous anger. That was stupid anger. So, um, so in our series, No Offense, we have been uh, learning about anger. In case you haven't been here, or in case maybe you have, like me, kind of a faulty memory, uh, let's do a little recap. Okay? So week one, we learned that there is no win in anger. No one wins. It's not helping us. It doesn't help anyone else. doesn't honor God. doesn't draw people to Jesus. And so uh, we're told in the Bible to get rid of all of our anger. And we decided, we kind of took God up on the invitation of living unoffendable lives. Uh, week two, we said, wait a second. Wasn't Jesus angry? And if Jesus was angry, we're supposed to be like Jesus, and so shouldn't we be angry too? We can get angry if he can get angry. So we looked at this story where Jesus gets angry in the Bible. We learned three things about Jesus' anger uh, that can also help us to uh, think about our anger. Uh, first, we learned that when Jesus was angry, it was because others were mistreated, not because he was mistreated. Uh, second, we learned that when Jesus was angry, he flipped tables not people, meaning he didn't direct his anger at a person. He directed his anger at systemic injustice. And third, we learned that when Jesus was angry, it always led him to love. He would serve and, and touch with compassion those who were mistreated. Uh, and so that was Jesus' anger, right? Is that ours? Uh, week three, last week, we, um, we asked the question, man, why are we so shocked? Why are we so shocked when, when someone says something or does something or they sin or they say something mean? Maybe if we weren't shocked, uh, maybe we wouldn't get so offended. And maybe we shouldn't be so shocked. We've been around the block a few times, right? We know what's in people's hearts. We know what's in our hearts. We also said last week, uh, man, because we know what's in our hearts, maybe we should have like no right to judge other people at all because we're not always right. Today, as we conclude our series, we're just going to get super practical, and I want to give you some questions to ask yourself when you're in that moment, and you're like, mm, what just happened? It's not your cheese. I'm, I'm getting angry. And you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to get angry. Well, what do you do? Okay? And so I want to give you some questions to ask yourself in that moment. I think it will help. Okay? Question one, will I slow down? Will I slow down? Um, what should you do when you feel angry? So that your anger doesn't lead you to sin, you should slow down. Uh, the Bible says, God tells us in the book of James, it says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Want to test your reading skills? Let's read that out loud together. We'll see if we can read today. Ready? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm going to test you here in a few minutes, see if you remember that. We slow down so that we don't reciprocate in our natural way. We slow down so we can access the wisdom and power of our supernatural God. We slow down so instead of uh, reacting instinctively, we can respond thoughtfully. 
Unfortunately, uh, it's not the typical way things go, right? What typically happens is someone says something or does something, and we get angry, so we do something or we say something, right? And then we regret what we said, but we realize there's no rewind button, and so it's like, I can't take it back, and now I just feel stupid because of the nacho cheese or whatever it was, right? And so here's a, a, um, a key to changing that common scenario, and it's something that we might miss. You may never have thought of it this way, okay? Um, there is actually a gap between this, this person's action and your reaction. We don't recognize the gap. Uh, we, we think, no, 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 he said this, so I said this, right? He did this, and then I did this. But, but no, there, there was actually a, a gap between what he said and what I said. And that gap is key. Uh, there's a guy named Stephen Covey. He wrote a really famous best-selling book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The fifth habit is uh, that we should seek first to understand and then to be understood. Or we could say we should be quick to Listen, and slow to speak. Eh, seven of you remembered that verse from two minutes ago. Um, and so uh, what, what he's saying is we should increase the gap. So Covey explains this in terms of stimulus and response. There's a stimulus. The person said something, did something, whatever. And then we respond. But there's actually a gap between the stimulus and our response. Uh, Covey explains the more space you can create between the stimulus, what they do or say, and the response, what I do or say in return, the more we can choose what's actually the best response instead of just instinct, right? Because otherwise you're just in reaction mode. And so we slow down and we use that gap between the stimulus and response for our betterment, to choose our response. And so he said this, and then I slow down, I pause, and I say, God, should I get angry? Will it help if I get angry? And I can pretty much promise God's going to say, no, that, that's not going to help. And then you can say, okay, then what should I do? What should I say? And, and so it's like, he said this, and then I prayed, and then I said something I normally wouldn't have said, like something very different and better came out of my mouth. In that gap, you can choose the best way to respond. Uh, you can also, in that gap, try to consider the other person's point of view. Mature people, uh, loving people, uh, people who want to live like Jesus, seek to understand the thoughts and the feelings and the experiences of the other person. But if, if you let your emotions take over, you, you may speak quick, loud, but you're not really listening. But we are to be quick to, two of you, slow to, five of you, and slow to become angry. All right. Um, we seek first to understand, then to be understood. We set aside our feelings. We set aside the point that we want to make because first we want to listen and understand. As you listen and try to understand what this person might be saying, what they might be feeling, here's what we're going to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, we get lots of people who are like, I'm not, 
I don't yet believe in Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm here to explore Jesus. Super cool that you're here. Thank you for being here. Um, but if you are somebody who said, nope, at some point in my life, I decided I'm a Christian, which means I'm going to follow Jesus in everything, then uh, what, what we followers of Jesus do is we assume the best about the other person. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're told that love always trusts. That's what love does. It always trusts. And so we believe the best about the person. That's what love does. Here's an example. Um, let's say your spouse says, you'll say you're married. Your spouse says, are you going to take out the garbage today? What does that mean? Okay. Uh, you could decide, wait. I think she's saying I don't usually take out the garbage. I think she's saying that I'm lazy. Well, those would be a negative interpretation of what she said, right? That's not what love does. Love never does that. And so you assume she's genuinely curious if I'm going to have time today to take out the garbage. She's not sure. If you're right, and that is what she meant, guess what? You didn't have a fight because you didn't assume the worst, right? If you're wrong. Maybe she was implying that you're lazy, but you assume the best, and so you just answer, yep, I'll have Tim take out the garbage. Guess what happened? You avoided a fight, right? Either way, your marriage wins, right? Your relationship wins because you assumed the best. You filled that gap with love. All right, here's another thing that you can do in the gap, right, in, the, in that moment. Second question, ask yourself, where is my anchor coming from? Where's my anger coming from? So it's, it's really interesting. If you study emotions and study anger, um, what you'll find is that the experts, the psychologists, psychiatrists, people, um, they call anger a secondary emotion. Um, it's the emotion that other emotions lead to. It's never the, the primary emotion. And, and so anger is the, the unfortunate way we express other emotions. Um, there's a psychologist named uh, Dr. John Gottman. Um, he calls this the anger iceberg, the anger iceberg. So with an actual iceberg, there's a little that you see above the surface. That's an actual picture of an iceberg. There's a whole lot more that you can't see under the surface, right? And, and anger is like that. Anger is the part of the iceberg, the part of my emotions that you can see above the surface, but under the surface, man, there's a bunch of other emotions you can't see. Uh, it, it, and I'm not going to show those to you. What I'm going to show you is anger. Why? Well, there might be various reasons. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, let's say that you are actually anxious. There's a very good chance your anxiety will surface. What you'll show other people is anger. Okay? Um, in, in fact, you might say, I have an anger problem. Other people might say, she's got an anger problem. But the reality might be actually you might have an anxiety problem. So if you're actually feeling anxious, why would anger be the thing that you show other people? Well, uh, maybe uh, most of the time when you're anxious, it's about something you can't control, right? Uh, the, the other person's feelings or my circumstances or the future, and, and that creates anxiety. We don't like feeling anxious. It, it makes us feel out of control. But there's something about anger that gives you a sense of control. 
right? When, when you're angry, you, you kind of feel powerful. It's a false sense of powerful, but, but of power, but it, but it makes you feel like you're in control. So you might rather show anger than anxiety. Or uh, perhaps uh, what you're really feeling is rejection. Uh, you, you feel rejected, you feel hurt, but it shows up not as hurt, but as anger. Uh, why? Maybe because you don't want to feel hurt. Or maybe because you don't want to look vulnerable with this other person and let them know that they hurt you because that shows that I'm vulnerable or it makes me feel weak. I, I, or, or maybe you're afraid if I do this to them, uh, maybe they're going to do it to me again because they realize they have power over me. And so instead of being vulnerable and saying, man, that hurts, you get angry. But underneath the surface, really, it's, it's hurt. Anger is almost always a secondary emotion. You, you feel some other emotion, but you want to keep that hidden. So what you show people, what you let people see is anger. Um, so what do we do in this moment when we're tempted to feel anger? We slow down and we ask, where's my anger coming from? Where's my anger coming from? Is, am I really this angry at the guy who's driving slow in the fast lane like this, all oh, this anger at this guy who won't go trip, go into the is it is it really all about that, or are there emotions I'm not dealing with, and they're all erupting and surfacing in anger at the stupid driver in the fast lane who's driving too slow? If we slow down and ask this question, where is my anger coming from? I think uh, often what we might find is hurt. Um, we, we probably all heard the expression hurt people hurt people, right? If, if you talk to, if you get to know someone who is disproportionately angry in life, there is a very good chance that you're going to find a heart full of pain. It just erupts his anger. If you tend to get disproportionately angry in your life, I wonder if you have a heart full of pain. All right, so questions, right? You're, you're, you're feeling tempted to get angry. You're going you're gonna to slow down. You're going to ask some questions. Uh, will I slow down? Okay, can I slow down this moment? I can do this. Uh, where's my anger coming from? Third, am I going to let myself react in anger? Am I going to let myself react in anger and say something or do something I regret? So my anger leads me, as we talked about the first week, into sin. Remember, there's this gap, right, between the stimulus and the response, and you get to choose what to do in your response. In that gap, you get to make a decision. You can choose whether you're going to be shocked by what they said or did, or if you're going to be like, why would I be shocked? I know people. People are like this. I'm like that. In that gap, you can pray about whether your anger is self-righteous or righteous like Jesus' anger was. In that gap, you can say, do I really want to give the devil a foothold in my life? Talked about the, that the first week of the series. Um, you can choose in that moment whether you will have the, the humility to recognize that because of your many cognitive biases, we talked about that last week, right? You are not someone who is capable of, of accurately assessing what's happening. You think you know exactly what's happening, you don't. And would you be humble enough in that moment to recognize that I am too sinful of a person to judge anyone else? You don't have to react in anger. Like, I could have made a much better decision when my wife violated her zone and nacho cheesed me, right? We, we can choose. I can choose. We can choose to be bigger than that. 
better than that and more like Jesus than that. And um, when conflict is necessary, we can do it without anger. Some of you are like, what do you mean? Isn't conflict anger? Isn't that what, no, that's not what conflict is. Conflict is like, okay, something happened, and it's not like we can just let it go. Like, we need to talk about this. This, this is something, right? And so we can do it without anger, which is not the way most people do conflict. Most people do conflict in one of two ways. Either one, they avoid it, right? Like, I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen, and we're going to sweep it under the rug and just smile tomorrow and act like nothing happened at all. Or number two, they come in, guns blazing, fists flying, like I am ready, I'm going to yell, and you're going to hear exactly what I think. And neither of those is the way of Jesus. If you're like, man, I, I, I follow Jesus, then that, those are not options, okay? The Jesus way, when you have an issue with someone, and you will, right? We all do sometimes, is you go to that person face-to-face, and you have a conversation about it. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, put it on the screen. He said, if another believer sins against you, oh, what do we do? Go privately and point out the offense. Now, we see this in the Bible. There's a time where Peter and Paul, who are two of the like, leaders in the early church, uh, they have an, an issue. What do they do? How do they handle it? Paul says, I opposed him to his face. I went to him, talked to him face to face. There's a book called Reclaiming Conversation. It's by an MIT professor named Sherry Turtle. And um, she notes in this book that more and more people today, and the research says this especially is happening in families, uh, are fighting by text. That's what they call it, fighting by text. Like, like I got something to tell you, and so I'm going to text it to you, and then maybe you text me back. And some people would say, well, that's better. But because then, like, there's no outbursts that happen. You know, you're not, it doesn't, it's not better. Because there's so much you miss uh, when you text somebody or email. And Jesus says, he didn't say, uh, when someone sends against you, text that person. No, he said, go to that person. Notice he said, to the person. It's just you and me. If you keep reading, he says, if that doesn't work, if the person doesn't listen to you, nothing gets resolved, then you find a trustworthy person, someone you both trust, uh, from your church, and you bring that person to help you mediate your dispute. But what a lot of people do today is they triangulate, is the, the word, they triangulate. So, like, you and me, we're uncomfortable with each other. There's something wrong. And so what we do, instead of, like, talking it out and we're going to talk person to person, you're like, why is he pointing at me? What, is, what problem does he have with me? And you're not like that. You're not even listening. Anyway, um, <laughs> what you do is, uh, you, what we do is we add a third person. It's like you and me have a problem, but I'm going to add a third person. And that's the person I'm complaining to and saying, I can't believe what he did. And she didn't even listen to me. And, and so now it's a, it's a three-way thing. Or sometimes, this is a real tricky one, but people do it. We'll bring a third person in who we can both be angry at. Because we have a problem with each other. But now it's like, yeah, well, what about him? And now we're both, like we've created this, this triangle, right? And so that's not the way of Jesus. Jesus says you go to the person who you have a problem with, and you have a conversation. What, what do you do? So, you say, okay, because you're going to sit down. You want to do this right. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk through this issue we have. How do you do it? Um, here are some, I think, very helpful do's and don'ts from a, a Christian counselor. And so here's how to do conflict in a good way. Don't. Do not yell, shout, or use an overly aggressive tone. Do. 
do take a two to three minute time out if anger is influencing your reactions. And so if, if you're talking, you're like, this is getting heated, just say, hey, I just, I just want to take two minutes. I'm going to just go for a walk for a minute and pray. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want this to be like that, okay? Um, do not call the other person names or use profanity. Do actively listen. Repeat back to the person what you heard. So they say something and you say, hey, I think this is what you said. Am I right? And you repeat back to that person. Um, do not speak for the other person or tell the other person how or what he or she should think and feel. Do validate the other person's emotion, i.e. recognize and state the emotion he or she is expressing. A couple more. Do not interrupt the other person while he or she is talking. Don't say, whoa, wait, but... No, let, let them talk. Do accept disagreement. It's okay to view something in different ways. Uh, don't, do not assume what the other person is thinking or feeling. Do state what you genuinely appreciate about the other person and compliment for making an effort. Do not put the other person's thoughts and feelings on trial. It only creates defensiveness and avoidance. Do be brief. Don't take longer than a minute to describe your thoughts and concerns. Do look for ways to compromise do make the person who dropped cheese on your shorts clean your shorts for you. That one's in the Bible. It's not on the list. Um, and if the, if the cheese doesn't come out, do make them buy you new shorts, unless it's your wife and it's all the same money and then you're just screwed. Um, that's how you do conflict because we always want to, uh, we want to understand, we want to love, we want to show grace. We want to restore the relationship. And you can do this. Like when somebody says something to you, about you, and it's offensive, and you want to be offended, you can choose to be unoffendable. You can show grace. Great example of this. A couple years ago uh, in the entertainment world, uh, you might have remembered this story, but Saturday Night Live uh, cast member Pete Davidson um, ridiculed, publicly, offensively ridiculed Dan Crenshaw uh, the reason he attacked Dan Crenshaw was because Dan Crenshaw has uh, different political views than Pete Davidson does. Uh, Dan Crenshaw had just been elected to Congress, and Pete Davidson, with disdain, said of him in the news, you know, for everyone here, he said, I know he lost his eye in the war or whatever. Well, there was a severe backlash against Pete Davidson by, like, everybody. He was attacked in the news. He was attacked on social media because he's dishonoring this war veteran. And um, it was so bad. He got so much abuse that he fell into, like, major depression. And he shared on Instagram, this is an Instagram post, he said, I really don't want to be on this earth anymore. I'm doing my best to stay here for you, but I actually don't know how much longer I can last. All I've ever tried to do is help people. Just remember, I told you so. So everyone wondered, man, what is Dan Crenshaw, who was a former Navy SEAL, right? He is a tough guy who has been trained to attack. Um, how is he going to respond? Because he hadn't said anything yet uh, to Pete Davidson about what Pete Davidson said. Uh, he, by the way, he lost his eye uh, in combat in Afghanistan, defending our country. And so you could have expected that rightfully he might say of Davidson, you know, it serves him right that all these people are hating on him for what he said about me. But that's not what 
Crenshaw did. He filled the gap with love. He uh, reached out to Pete Davidson privately, and he befriended him, and he encouraged him, and he spoke life-giving words to him. He knew that Pete Davidson sure seemed to be suicidal, and he said, hey, God put you here for a reason. God has you living your life for a reason. Crenshaw chose to fill the gap with not anger, but love. In a stunt to get more viewers, Saturday Night Live came up with this idea of having Dan Crenshaw come on on Veterans Day weekend and face off with Pete Davidson face-to-face on the, the weekly news on Saturday Night Live, and they would have a debate, and it would be like great ratings. And so they brought him on the show for this face-to-face with Davidson. But Crenshaw did not scold him as they hoped and expected. Instead, um, on the air for everybody to see, he spoke encouraging words to Davidson. He spoke about Davidson's father, who was a firefighter who died in the 9-11 attacks. And he said, I'm so sorry. And he spoke about what a hero uh, Pete Davidson's father was. Um, And when the segment ended and Davidson thought that the cameras were off and the mic was off. It wasn't. He didn't realize. Uh, but the world got to hear. He, whisper, he leaned in and he whispered. And we got to hear what he said. And what he said was, you are a good man. Wow. And Dan Crenshaw could have gotten angry, right? And, and everyone would have said, yeah, he should be angry. Uh, but it wouldn't have been because he was mistreated. Right? It would, it would have been because he was mistreated, sorry, not on behalf of others like Jesus' anger. And he would have been flipping a table, not a person. So instead of getting angry, he did what Jesus did. He brought healing to a hurting person. And we can do the same. When you hear a story like that, like, don't you, aren't you like, I want to be like that? Like, what an honorable guy. Like, I want to be someone who, like, responds like that instead of the normal way I respond. And and so I think we all want that. But but I think at the same time, it's like, yeah, but there's a problem. The problem is my anger. You know, in the moment when someone says something or do something, I I would love to be that guy and be better than that and be honorable. But I'm angry. What do I do with my anger? That's the fourth question that we're going to ask ourselves in that moment, right? We're angry. We're going to ask ourselves some questions. We're going to slow down. The last question is, will I release my anger to God? Because that's what you do with your anger. Will I release my anger to God? The best advice, and I want to make sure you're not hearing this, is not ignore it. Ignore what happened or, um, or deny your anger. Um, it's not like, hey, just you know, pretend you're not angry. Because you know what happens? If you ignore, if you try to ignore what happened and deny your anger, do you know what you're actually doing? You're stuffing it down, right? You're, you're like, oh, nope, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel that way. It doesn't go away. You just stuff it down. And remember that iceberg? You got a whole lot more under the surface, right? It's all going subterranean and it's all just waiting. And someday something's gonna happen and, and, and it's not gonna be what just happened. It's gonna be like all this stuff you're angry about. So, so what do you do with your anger? You release it to God. You pray about what happened. You tell God, okay, God, this is how I'm feeling. I'm mad. I'm angry, God. And and this is how I want to respond. I want to say this because I know it would hurt them, God. But I'm not going to say it. God, instead, I'm going to trust you to deal with this situation, this person, 
the way that you know is best. That's how we are encouraged to live. Uh, look at Romans, um, book of Romans in the Bible, chapter 12, starting in verse 17. You'll see this is what we're told to do. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Somebody does something bad, you don't do something bad back, say something bad back. It says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. That's what Dan Crenshaw, right? It's honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So it's like, I recognize God's job is if somebody needs to be paid back for what they did, God's good at that. He can figure that out. He knows what's right and wrong. I'm not good at that. Cognitive biases, deluded heart, all the stuff we're talking about. Instead, here's my job. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, meaning you'll kill them with kindness, right? They will see that they're wrong because you acted in such an honorable way. It says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So you don't take revenge. You, you leave that to the righteous anger of God. Um, you can do that. People actually do this. Uh, we, we actually have a great example of this in the book of Psalms. So the book of Psalms are 150 uh, prayers that people wrote to God. Some of them were put to music, and they were the songs that they would sing in church together to God, um, but they're prayers that people prayed to God, okay? Um, this is a prayer that David wrote uh, about an enemy, okay? So he's taking uh, his, this situation to God. Check this out. Here's what he writes about his enemy. He, to God, praying, he says, God, let his years be few. Let someone else take his position. May his children become fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander as beggars and be driven from their ruined homes. May creditors seize his entire estate and strangers take all he has earned. Let no one be kind to him. Let no one pity his fatherless children. May all his offspring die. May his family name be blotted out in the next generation. Tell us how you really feel, bro. Woo, right? Like, I love that. David's prayer is basically, here's my, my paraphrase. He's like, God, I pray that a, a gang of rabid raccoons attack him and chew his arms off. And, 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 and I, I pray that someone takes a cheese grater to his back and just tears up his back. And, and then I hope he dies. But God, Please, just make sure he suffers before he dies. And his kids. I want them to suffer too, God. I want them to die. I want them all to die, God. May they, here's how I want them to die. God, I want them all to get gangrene in their tongues, and, and it causes their heads to explode. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Right? That's his prayer. David is angry. He's angry. So what did he do with his anger? He prayed, right? He released it. He didn't deny it and go, God, it wasn't a big deal. It's no, you know, I'm cool. I'm good. No, he released his anger to God. Here's what's fascinating about this, okay? You might be like, okay, that's what he did. Here's what's fascinating. I don't know if you know who David is. Uh, David was a warrior 
who led an elite army. Then David became the king of the nation, still with this elite army at his disposal, which means David could have done everything he prayed about. They weren't things he's like, I, I, if I could, I would do this. They're all things he's like, I could easily do all of these things. No problem. But he didn't do it, right? Instead of taking out his anger, he went to God and released his anger to God. Will you? Will I? Will you release your anger to God? If, if you've never done that, maybe you're like, wow, man. I, like, when I get angry, I don't. if you've never done it, you might think, if I were to do that, if I was actually to be really angry at somebody, instead of, like, making them pay, I, I just, like, poured it out onto God, you might think it would feel uh, incomplete, right? Because I didn't get to watch this person hurt. All I did was I prayed about it. It won't feel incomplete. Uh, what will happen is uh, God will do something powerful. I, I would say supernaturally powerful in you as you release your anger to him. In fact, Psalm 109, we just looked at where you guys were like, whoa, right at the end of those verses. Here's how Psalm 109 ends. After saying all these raging things about his enemy, David says, but I will give repeated thanks to the Lord praising him to everyone, for he stands beside the needy, ready to save them from those who condemn them. David prays, he releases his anger to God, and his prayer turns to praise. Evil does not conquer him. He releases his anger to God, and his attitude is transformed, and he is able to, to conquer evil with good. And so the next time you're feeling angry, release it to God and then watch. Like watch what he does in you and watch what he does through you. And if you're, if you're still wondering if you're able to do that, if that's the right thing to do, um, I, I would just tell you, you can do that because you have sinned against God and he chose to release his anger against you onto Jesus, right? When, when someone sins against you, you get angry at them, rightfully so. And we have sinned against God, and he gets angry at us, rightfully so. And therefore, Jesus came down and went to the cross. And God says, if we put our faith in him, God takes all of the anger that our sins deserve, all the punishment our sins deserve, and he puts it on Jesus, and we are forgiven of everything we've ever done and everything we ever will do. And, and if, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, maybe you're ready to do that. Not, not just like, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe in Jesus. It's kind of the same I believe in Abraham Lincoln. You know, they, they lived, and I, I know they did stuff. I'm not talking about like that kind of belief in. I'm talking about like you have put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins. And, and you've told Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. Like I, I just want to follow you in this life and, and, and into eternity in heaven. If you've never done that, 
Maybe you're ready to do that. If you do that, the, the next step, the Bible says, is to be baptized. Uh, baptism is when a person is lowered underwater and then raised up out of the water, and it represents a person um, dying, being buried, and then being raised again to new life, just like Jesus died and was buried and raised again to new life. And we're actually uh, doing baptisms in four weeks, July 23rd. Um, we're doing baptisms again, and so maybe you're like, I need to do that. I believe, and I've never been baptized, or I didn't believe, but right now I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus, and, and I want to take that next step and get baptized. Uh, if so, if you go to verb.cc, um, it's our digital connection card, you'll see like a little menu of different buttons to click. One of them says baptism. If you click that, someone, me, uh, will email you and say, hey, so you signed up for baptism. Uh, what are you thinking? And you'll, some people say, I'm in. What do I need to do? Some people say, I got some questions. I'm not sure. And either way, I'll just, no pressure. I'll just kind of walk with you and help you to answer your questions or whatever you need. Okay. Um, so here's what, here's what we want to do. We want to give you a chance to pray here for a minute. Um, maybe you might think of somebody you've been angry at, and maybe this is your chance to, to say, I'm going to release my anger to God. Maybe you pray one of those prayers. They're called imprecatory prayers, the prayers of anger in the Bible. There's a big word for you. Um, and so you just say, God, I, I'm mad at him, and I want him to die, but I, I just give that to you, God. I'm not going to stay angry anymore. Um, or maybe you just say, God, I'm so thankful that you release your anger towards me. Uh, during this time, uh, we have communion, which is a reminder of how Jesus, or how God forgave us, which is through Jesus dying on a cross for us. And so communion is in the back of the room on tables. It's a piece of bread and a cup of juice uh, that represent Jesus' body and blood given on the cross for us. If you'd like to today, you can go back, get it, bring it back to your seat. When you're ready, um, you thank him for what he did by taking it um, and eating the bread and drinking the juice. So um, if you want to do that, you can. All right. And then the band's going to lead us in a song or two. Let's, let's pray. God, first, I just want to thank you for um, making this offer to everyone that you will forgive everything we've ever done. And all the anger that we deserve will be turned away from us and onto Jesus on the cross. God, maybe there's a person right now in this room, maybe there's a person right now watching online who has never put their faith in you in a real way, in a life-changing way. Maybe they're ready right now to say, God, yes. I don't, I don't know if I really understood it before, but I am now ready, God. I want to put my faith in Jesus, making him the savior of my life, the forgiver of my sins, making him my Lord, the, the leader of the rest of my life. God, if, if somebody's uh, ready to do that, man, what, a, what a, a joy it would be to celebrate that in baptism here in a few weeks. God, for all of us, um, I pray that as a result of this series, we take you up on your offer um, that we might live unoffendable lives. God, help us to live like Jesus did. Help us to overcome evil with good. God, we're going to need your help to do that. We can't do that on our own. We know that. So we ask for your help. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.